you're tuned into the Chug LLP's podcast. We are a full-service legal, immigration, and tax firm with a global outlook. We partner with businesses to deliver innovative, customized solutions to their most pressing challenges. Join us as we tackle some pertinent issues. Welcome to Thursdays Live with Chug. My name is Neha Mahajan. I'm the Business Development and Outreach Manager here at Chug LLP, Attorneys and CPAs. We will be talking about contracts, contracts, do's and don'ts, especially when it comes to commercial leasing. So if you're a business owner, pay attention because my guest today is Managing Partner and Attorney Ashima Chok. Hi there, Ashima. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Right. So Ashima, signing a lease is such an important step in a commercial business journey. A business owner can continue planning for how the business is going to look like and then continue looking for space, the right kind of space. Now, it could be an office space or renting out production facility or could be a store that they're looking for. And they could spend months, if not years, looking for the right kind of a space where their business would thrive. And while signing that little document might seem like, you know, an annoying little detail, but it's an important one because if you are in the know of uh, what you're signing, you know, because most contracts, everybody just signs blindly, believing that everything in that contract is as per understanding, but sometimes it's not. There are little caveats that you must be aware of. And that's exactly what we're going to be discussing today. So before I begin today's discussion, I want to give a disclaimer. The talk today is for informational purposes only. And the discussion today that we're having does not create an attorney-client relationship. Ashima, we've all signed lease agreements, whether for personal reasons or for professional reasons. Is there really a difference between, say, a commercial lease and a residential lease? Sure. But before I answer your question, I would like to add to your disclaimer that I'm going to be confining myself only to Texas. Each of the 50 states has their own laws related to landlord tenants. So, but we're only discussing Texas for today's purposes. So having said that, the basic thing is the name suggests residential is for the dwellings and commercial is for the businesses. But beyond that basic, the basis of covering of each, the warranties you can disclaim are very different in residential and commercial. So the law is much more detailed for residential than it is for commercial. But you mentioned earlier that we all sign something. So that's good you said that because the law really says that lease can be either oral or writing. So you can have both. You can have it either oral or writing, but if it's over a year, then it has to be in writing to be effective. So in commercial, the law is bare, you know, the section 93 of the Texas Property Code is what controls the commercial and section 92 is what controls the residential. But because the law is so bare, the law states that if there's a discrepancy, the lease control. So you can see the extent and the importance of a lease in case of commercial because you really have to have everything in the lease. So and then there are a lot of warranties which you can get away with in commercial, which you can't get away with in residential. Uh, so in residential, you'll have an implied warranty of habitability and commercial similar, which is called suitability. But then you can get away by having as is clauses if you have drafted them right. You have liabilities for repairs in residential, which you can't get away with, but you can get away with those in commercial. 
So there are a lot of waivers and disclosures required in residential, which you don't have to do in commercial. Yeah, but first, I really want to understand in a commercial lease, and if you could just give us some pointers, that would be great. In a commercial lease, what is a must have? Like, what are some of the things that a commercial lease definitely must have? It cannot be complete without certain certain pointers, certain factors. So in commercial, you're trying to make sure that your business interests are covered. So everything, if you're a tenant, you know, what your interests are depends whether you're a tenant or landlord. So from the tenant's perspective, you want to make sure there is no relocation clause in your business. You know, we I had this case recently where we were engaged for in a buy-sell transaction. So lease was not even an issue. It was buy-sell. But while I was reviewing it, I came across lease. The lease had to be assigned. So we came across a situation where there was a buyer's lease I had to review because we want to see what the lease was. From the seller's point of view, it was good that we reviewed because the lease has a relocation. So the relocation provision was make or break deal for the buyer. Because if you are running into a business and the landlord can relocate you anywhere, then it makes no sense for paying that much rent. So you want to be very careful about the relocation provisions. If you're having a triple net lease or a net lease, you want to be very careful about the CAM charges, which are common area maintenance charges. And you want to be sure that what is included as CAM is covered. You don't want management expenses or capital reserves or no cap on CAM. So you want to make sure you have all those covered. If something has, COVID has taught us something, then that's basically force major clauses. You really need to have those where you cover yourself for uncertainties like pandemic, or you have, say, there are some economic, and sometimes you can get away with covering even, uh, you know, you can have cap on your business. If your business is not doing too great, you might have, okay, you know, you can pay so much in damages and get away with it. Or breaches, right? Yeah. I mean, right. So typically, you know, for commercial, you know, I would make a, I would keep like a checklist to make sure that I cover all those points. So then there is, before you even get to the commercial lease, you should really look into letter of intent. The letter of intent tends to be non-binding is what they say, but everything which goes in terms of negotiating a lease come from LOI is what they call. So you have to be very careful. Most of the times people, they need to retain a lawyer only when you're actually signing a lease for reviewing the lease. But the game starts at the LOI point of view where you want to review and make sure that LOI has the basic pointers in terms of term or your renewals or CAM or signage and parking at what landlord will repair, what you would repair, who repairs, takes care of HVAC, whether you can sublease or uh, all those scenarios and so for the guarantee if it's covered or not. Right. And all of these might seem very normal issues. These might not even seem like a big issue, but when it comes to negotiating based on these pointers, that's when it goes, you know, as they say, all hell breaks loose. That's right. The lease goes much smoother if you've done your homework and you've done LOI the right way. That's an amazing point. Thank you for mentioning that. Now, you've actually answered my next question, which was going to be, what are some commonly ignored areas in the lease, right? Now, no one likes to be surprised. I don't like to be surprised at all, especially when that surprise must cost you money. That's Mm -hmm. not something that you want, especially when you're a small business owner just starting out and there are some uncertainties. So what advice do you have for them? So in terms of common areas, like I mentioned to you earlier, the clauses, typically I would maintain a checklist. I would make sure that in a lease we have all those covered. 
So we have, if it's a gross lease, I would make sure that we have the non-compete clauses in there. If I'm representing the landlord, where the tenant just doesn't go and sets up his shop five miles from where the premises is, that just reduces the amount of rent. Most of the time, when you're negotiating, you know, you would have base rent plus percentage rent, and then if he just does that, it defies the whole purpose. Right. So. Depending on whether you're representing a landlord or a tenant, I would say it it makes a difference. I don't know if I've answered you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think those who were looking for an answer have found what they wanted in your answers here. I honestly believe that everything can be negotiating. And correct me if I'm wrong, is that true for commercial leases as well? Can commercial leases be negotiated? And then if yes, and then on what terms? Well, like I said, the lease is what controls in commercial, you know, when you're in landlord-tenant relationship, the commercial lease is what really controls all your relationship with the landlord. So you really want to negotiate. If you're not negotiating, you're not doing your homework right. Like I said earlier, the commercial lease negotiations precedes the lease and starts at the point of letter of intent. So you want to make sure you have the basic terms on who the tenant would be. You never want to sign it individual. You know, you always want to negotiate it or if you have to set up a new entity, set up a new entity, but sign as a new entity and this negotiation starts from there because you don't want to be a personal guarantor. You want to make sure that you limit your liability to the entity. Right. Uh, and if you have to have a personal guarantee, you want to, you want to limit that. Okay. So, now that we're talking about commercial leases, that's what the whole show is about. I want to understand, are there different kind of leases are the different categories of leases within the commercial lease uh, larger category sure there are you know there are many kinds i think i've briefly kind of mentioned the term without explaining it so you can have a percentage lease which i mentioned you know which is used to have typically when you're having a percentage lease you don't want on uh, you want to have non-competes uh, both for landlords and tenants so what percentage lease does is you have a base rent plus you have a percentage of gross revenue say so in that category, you know, mostly it happens in shopping malls. So you would have a non-compete very both in terms of landlord and, uh, you know, and tenant too, that you cannot have any other tenant like doing the same business within the same premises or same mall or within five mile radius. So depending on how you negotiate it, again, that's where the negotiation comes into play. Then you have net leases where you pay base rent plus part of your maintenance taxes and insurance then you have double net where you pay base rent plus some more of the expenses in terms of your taxes and maintenance and stuff then you have triple net where you pay your proportionate share of your base rent plus your taxes insurance and maintenance charges that's where cam comes into play more where you know you want to be sure that what is defined as CAM is you don't want to have all management fees included in the CAM or you don't want capital reserves where you're paying a percentage of capital reserves every month in CAM. You don't want to be sure that you don't want to do that because you might think that, okay, this is just common area maintenance proportionate share, but what is defined as CAM is different for different landlords. So you make sure you read those definitions right. Then you have gross leases, which is mostly like full service, where which is like for offices where all you pay is your rent and most of the expenses are covered by the landlord. Okay. Wow. That's so, quite a bit. And, you know, I think anybody who's looking to open a business, apart from business plan and the whole idea and the sales and setting up the team and hiring staff, I believe this is a bit too much of a research to do when it comes to commercial leases. And I think attorneys such as yourself can help people 
make a definite arrangement about the kind of uh, spaces they want to lease and the kind of decisions they want to make. Talking about research, before signing a commercial lease, definitely they should be thinking about all these different subcategories of commercial leases. But um, is there any other kind of research that must be done? For example, understanding the kind of area that they're going to be leasing the space, finding out more about the landlord and the building owner, researching zoning laws, uh, learning about nuisance laws and the environment around. I mean, is it really the renter's uh, prerogative? Is, is it their responsibility? I think you pretty much named everything they should be doing it. If they are getting into uh, commercial lease, they would do their due diligence. Like I say, you know, commercial, typically the business owners are considered to be at a higher standard. If it was residential, the landlord typically would tell what the laws are and they are required to have some uh, disclosures regarding sexual offenders and other uh, uh, disclosures. But in case of commercial, you are required to do your homework. And uh, the landlord can pretty much get away with as-is clauses and that having clauses like you do, you get your own permits, you are responsible yourself and everything. And then end of the day, it falls on you. So you want to be sure that if you're getting into liquor business, you can get all the alcohol licenses to run what you're trying to run from there. If you're getting into daycares and schools, the area where you are is going to be suitable for that. So you definitely need to look at the zoning ordinances and everything else. And now it also depends on whether you're getting a shell unit or you're getting a lot of time landlords would pay you. And it's very, very important to negotiate the build-out price at that time and then what time they're going to pay the build-out. So sometimes the landlords do require you to use their own contractors. Sometimes you can get away with that. And then there is insurance requirements. So you want to make sure that the insurance is covered. But basically you would have to do all that due diligence to make sure that you're not, you can use your own contractors if you're constructing the shell unit or you do your own due diligence. And then when you're looking into the permits, look at the timeline because there's a time frame for the rent commencement date. You want to be sure that if it's within 180 days, you have the construction done. Or if you can't, you have enough enforced major clauses definition to protect you on that. Right. Okay. So wow, that's the, quite a comprehensive list. So it depends, you know, there's a lease commencement date and then there's a rent commencement date. So you don't want to confuse the two. Typically, you should never start your rents until you open your business. So you can get the position for doing all the construction, but you don't want to be paying the rent for that period. Right. At the beginning of our discussion today, you mentioned that, um, you know, you're speaking from the state of Texas and that's the law that you are going to be talking yes. about, right? But I feel now that we're talking, I feel some of these laws may be, valid across all the 50 states, I would imagine, like at least the due diligence part. Yeah. No, I think the basic point is are uh, valid all through the 50 states. What, does, what doesn't apply is uh, Section 92 or 93 of Texas Property Code or the Common Law Principles here or, or the, the Texas Business Practices Act, which are basically the acts which typically cover this or the fact that Texas a commercial lease, you can put a lockout and get the commercial tenant out or you can have three-day notices over Kate and all that stuff would not be valid in other states, but the basic principles remain the same throughout. Right, right. Now, if there's one thing that COVID has taught us is that nothing's permanent. <laughs> Whatever we thought was permanent, our businesses are working from offices, our going to school, whatever it was, all of that kind of just shifted, moved, right? And I think businesses were hit really hard now that everybody was working from home and all the leases that were signed, they were breaches, they were terminations. Not an easy thing to deal with, I'm sure, when the landlord can really easily show you the contract 
and hold sure. them accountable for it, right? So how does one um, handle a situation such as this? You know, nobody saw COVID coming, really. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of businesses went bankrupt because of this. They could afford to stay afloat, but they still had to deal with the lawsuits. A lot of landlords had filed lawsuits on this. I personally have negotiated many during this COVID time. So I know hard way that there's not much you can do other than follow a lease. If there are any clauses which get you out, good enough. But I think nobody anticipated this. If there's anything we can get out from here is learn from it and make sure we don't make the same mistakes again. Right. What kind of contingency clauses can be put into the leases then in that case? I mean, you have clauses where if the business goes south, you limit your liability. If you're signing a personal guarantee first, try not to. But if you have to limit your personal guarantee, don't just blindly have continuing guarantee. And some landlords will negotiate, some will not. You just have to pick and choose what you can live with. Make sure you have sublease clauses and assignment clauses where you are allowed to sublease and assign. So in a lot of cases, the landlords point blank refused, even if they could find a sublessee, right? So you don't want to be in that situation. You want to make sure you get yourself covered in that. Yeah, those are some really good tips. Since the beginning of this discussion today, we've been talking about how a lease is a legal agreement. It's a contract. And we use this term fairly, fairly loosely, valid contract. Now, what is a valid contract? What makes a contract valid? Like literally two people signing, does that make it a valid contract? What is it? Any valid contract is a term of art. So, you know, we can have the whole litigation just based on that term alone. I think any person will tell you for a contract to be whether you need to have a clear and unequivocal offer, just concise and definite in the terms. You have acceptance and where you accept the terms of the offer and you accept it before it is lapsed or revoked. Then you have a consideration. You need to have a consideration for that. And then you have a delivery where the person actually performs. So those are the basic principles for contract. But apart from that, the contract has to have a legal purpose. You know, you cannot have a contract to do something illegal. Then that doesn't make sense. You have to have contract with people who are um, mentally competent. There are ways to get away with that. You know, if the person gets to be 18 plus and then decides to comply with the contract or for some other reason, then it's a different thing. But basically, the person should be 18 and over. Okay. And then for... um, I think those are the basic principles that, you know, you don't want to have, there are ways you can avoid a contract, even if it's valid, but for validity, I think that would be what makes a contract valid. All right. All right. We are in the last leg of our discussion today, and I want to close this uh, discussion with asking you one last question, and it'll be great if you can share some tips, you know, uh, from your experience. What are some of the basic steps to do to avoid pitfalls? Because... Well, no matter how cautious you are, there are bound to be some things that you you will overlook, right? Sure. So how do you, what do you do? What do you do in that case? First of all, have something in writing. Uh, have your terms clear in terms of what your understanding is and make sure that you cover all the terms which you should have in landlord-tenant relationship. And if you're a commercial tenant, you make sure you have your back covered. And if you're signing something, don't just sign it blindly. Read what you're signing and negotiate it out. We uh, typically, like I said, you know, I maintain a checklist of the basic terms which should be covered in a commercial lease. So you make sure you have your checklist and if not, just research or if you need to contact us, contact us and I'll be happy to share the main pointers. But make sure that you get that covered. All right. 
I really want to thank you, Attorney Ashim Achok, for joining me today and you know discussing about all all about contracts and leases and commercial leases and what to do and what not to do. So thank you so much for your time today. If you have something in mind that you want us to talk about, please send us your suggestions or comments. Info at chook.com. That's I-N-F-O at C-H-U-G-H dot com. And please subscribe to our channels on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook so that you're in the know. And our website, of course, is www.chook.com. That's www.chugh.com. Until next time, I want you all to stay safe. I will see you then. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our work, please visit our websites at www.chook.com for legal and immigration and www.chook.net for tax. Be sure to subscribe to get regular business insights from the Chook LLP team. 